Welcome to Heritage Tree, where we talk about heritage care and development for people and organizations. And now to our host, Dr. Dina Michelle Roscoe. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you so down within me? Put your trust in God, put your hope in Him. King David lamented these words, and you will find them in Psalm 42 and 43. Today we're going to talk about funk and possibilities. What is it when you are stuck in a place that is unpleasant and we, many of us may find ourselves in that situation now? And how do you, in your spirit, in your mindset, move forward? But first, as always, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your generosity to give us life. Thank you for our lives. Thank you for the beautiful times and moments you've given to us. And for the challenging ones, thank you for seeing us through, for what we have learned, and for how even our challenges validate your good system. Please encourage us with our thoughts and words today as we think about your word and the hope you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 126 is a special passage for me. I enjoyed that passage when I was expecting my son, and one of the verses there in verse 3 says, The Lord had done great things for us. We were joyful. This is a passage about restoration. It starts by saying, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreams. Our mouths were filled with laughter then, and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord had done great things for us. We were joyful. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like watercourses in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Though one goes along weeping, carrying the bag of seed, he will surely come back with shouts of joy, carrying his sheaves. What's interesting in this short passage is how compelling the timeline is. It's speaking of the past, present, and the future in a few short refrains. Perhaps our restoration connects with the seeds that we plant. Ultimately, it starts off by saying that the Lord restores those fortunes. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, and one of the interesting parts of this translation is in verse 3. It translates it in past tense. Other translations may say it differently as in the present tense or in the present perfect tense or past perfect tense of uh, this is an ongoing that the Lord is doing great things for us. We are glad. And so it doesn't say we were joyful. It says we are glad in other translations. But the essence of it here is also when there's restoration, it's a witness Other people were saying those things. Other people among the nations, it says, said that the Lord has done great things for them. And then the response of the speaker, the Lord had done great things for us. We were joyful. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. And yet this prayer in verse 4, restore our fortunes, Lord, like water courses in the Negev. Restore our fortunes. The sense that it has happened before, it is in process happening again because it will happen in the future. We don't necessarily know where we are in that timeline, 
after Christmas, one year I found myself in a great sense of sadness. Oh, how are we going to put everything away? First of all, it's a lot of work, especially if you're a mom or a primary caregiver and you're the one who does all the decorating. But it's also very special. And these seasons that we are in right now, we don't know. It makes it more profound that we don't know what the future will hold. And as we are all aging and as the pandemic carries on and as we are attempting to carry on in spite of these challenges in our lives, sometimes it can be hard to let go of the good seasons as well because there might be this unbelief that good can happen in the future, that that was just a one-off, that we are just sure expecting for terrible things to happen. And indeed, King David, he says, you know, why are you so downcast? Remind yourself of the things you have reason to hope for and put your hope in God. Put our hope in God and not our fortunes, not even the restoration itself that we expect, not whether or not we will have good tidings in the future, and certainly not whatever good tidings we've had. In a way, I love this passage because it is a lifeline as much as it is a lifetime. It almost has us in a lemon time when we're in the past, present, and future, just imagining how God will restore not just our fortunes, but it says our shouts of joy, our laughter, our mouths were filled with this instead of crying, instead of lamenting, instead of the pain, and instead of the strife also. Strife is incredibly painful and a waste of time and energy, is it not? So often in history and even now that's active in what I've called pandemia in other places in the journal article I wrote for the Integral Leadership Review in 2020, you know, I refer to this time as a lemon sphere, of a pandemia of what happens when we have multiple big things going on. It really does raise a sense of fear. And in a way, fear kind of clips off our past, present, and future. It really scrunches it and narrows that. And the stress of the time, the strife of the time really depletes margins, especially as I write about in book three in my Kingdom Come trilogy in the blue book, my readers call it by the color of the covers, that we need validation. There's this huge validation missing when people jump straight to confirmation bias or straight to their own opinions and their own group that they identify with, straight to whatever it is that you or I or we are identifying ourselves with whether it's a ring around our profile picture on social media or a group or a denomination or some kind of work or some kind of political ideology. I write in these books in the brown book and the one and in the green book too. Uh, basically all the trilogy kind of has this message that if we are doing this performative or this mouth work of saying what our virtues are, we're virtue casting, or we're speaking of ideology, and then we're using that as a platform with which to slice and dice each other and argue, <laughs> and it all is just a thousand paper cuts, right? And this is sort of the frenetic energy of the time, and we're all kind of running paper thin as it is. We're not having that imaginative space of envisioning our future or of it 
envisioning solutions or of imagining what can or will be. And then from that vision, that comes back to this moment. It helps us to manage our time as I coach people, work with individuals, community leaders, small groups, authors, congregations, ministry leaders, moms. As I work with people on casting their future vision for their heritage, it comes back to this moment now of eventually we get to the time management of it and the values management of it because what we value does show up in our budget, does show up in our time, whether or not we are cognizant of it or intentional about it. So taking this moment to say, Lord, I am just praising and remembering how you restored me one time before, and I really want you to do it again. And sometime between that memory and the future hope, what do you want me to do now? (laughs) And what's filled in this brief, brief passage is just this word of joy, this merriment. And where is our joy? Where is our merriment? Can we be brave and let go of the time and energy commitments and achievements and even the ideologies that no longer serve that joy? Because the louder we are about ideology or identity or political groups, etc., the less likely we're actually doing the work of heritage, the less likely we're in an imaginative, visioning, parasympathetic nervous system state where we can actually slow down enough and make decisions about our lives. And if we are making decisions about our lives and doing the work of that, we will probably have a lot less thought and time to try to manage everyone else. And this is good news. Instead of trying to project my identity or ideology on someone else, how about let's slow down and have a conversation and try to understand where each other's coming from. And not even just about the serious things in life, but where there's joy and merriment. What are some questions that you find yourself wanting to know about other people in your life, who you love or who you want to befriend or who you're curious about or who frustrates you? What are some curiosity questions? Curiosity is also almost a short range attempt at visioning. It's a short range, a short term way of seeking out a vision when you're curious about something in the moment and what you want to learn about that person or about yourself. Because ultimately, why am I responding this way? Why am I feeling stuck? Why am I feeling irritated at that remark? What do I need? The way that the books are structured is in somewhat an answer to that. Drawing from my previous research about faith-based partnerships and compassionate community and storytelling, all of those come together in, in using story as a approach an approach to drive organizational culture and align our strategic visions with our current day-to-day tasks or even, for example, our crisis response. I've worked with ministry organizations, community leaders, civic leaders, and local campaigns with some of these approaches for communication and storytelling. What's incredible is sometimes when you're sitting there talking with the person, It may or may not seem that in that moment with the ice-cold 
glass of water with a lemon wedge in it that you're on this cafe corner on some summer day that you're actually making a difference in your or their life or your goals. But to be alive means to be in relationship. It means to be on some level aware of a story in your life. And this can play out across spectrum. What I love about this passage, again, is just that hopefulness, that joyfulness, that something out there is something to look forward to. And what I want to get in my spirit and what I hope to encourage you is how can we experience that joy now, that expectant expectant anticipation, that hope that really does lead to resiliency? What are messages we can give ourselves? When I find myself in a negative thought space, I'm usually not believing that my situation will improve or change. I might be lamenting that some of the hard things happened in the first place. And I'm sure that some of this might resonate with you. But what I find is when I answer that with the truth in scripture and sometimes saying it out loud helps and then going on and doing something positive, even if it's a simple dance with my son in the living room or going out and doing sidewalk chalk with him or working on my manuscripts or reaching out to a potential coaching client for a book, going about these conversations, um, taking faith. This is an act of faith that in that moment of discouragement or despair, you're picking one thing, even if it's a small action to do that brings light to your day, that casts seed into the future, that casts a, a potential harvest in the future. One of the things I struggle with, maybe you can relate, maybe for you it's different, is just having that joy in the process. Because when I cast this vision for this heritage ministry, it's a big vision. Therefore, it's going to take some time and some effort over time and possibly some connections and definitely some applications in community. And that's not going to happen immediately or overnight or maybe in some months or years. I've been developing this work at this point about six years, going on six years this spring. And there are a lot of iron prods in the fire, if you will. There are a lot of different things going on. And sometimes, like in Ecclesiastes, when to mix metaphors, you know, it says, cast your bread on the waters. Like, you don't know what will happen in the morning or evening of your harvest, but you have to put out your seed. You have to put out that effort. And also with a lot of prayer and seeking God each day, Lord. And I say to myself, sometimes if I feel anxious that the work won't finish at a certain time that I have as my own benchmark, say, well, Lord, I feel anxious about that. And the truth is that you promised, and here's the scripture that you will bring to completion the good work you started in me until the day Christ Jesus. And now watch this, the work that God may be working on, it may or may not align with what you or I may be passionate about or expecting to be the work or will of God in our lives. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, tip us at the link below and inquire, subscribe, 
and shop our merchandise label of Heritage Tree and Heritage at dinamichellerosco.com and dogwoodgroup.io. Come back again when we gather around the Heritage Tree.